We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me. Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, I'm really uplifted because I gave Brendan a homework assignment and he delivered in under 24 hours. He watched the movie Seven, which means he can understand this shirt right here. That's right. Brendan? I forgot that there was a shirt involved with this as well. <laughs> uh, it was a great movie. I know what's in the box. Um, yes. I had actually seen it before, but didn't realize I'd seen it until probably 10 minutes in or so. Um, that's my type of movie. That's my type of movie. You know, I, I like these sort of dumb comedies here and there, but those like more suspenseful movies are are my cup of tea. So I appreciate you having me. I, you know, I will admit I uh, put it on last night and fell asleep and finished it this morning, but it was a great movie. You idiot. It doesn't mean I didn't like you it. It was idiot. still a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and of course, that's Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, uh, I think maybe if if that's sort of your genre, maybe we go with Memento. Have you oh, seen Memento? Yeah, I see, that's, that's one that you're going to be like, oh, okay, this is messed up. Um, yeah, so that's, that's another good one. Yeah. Memento. Uh, gotcha. Memento. Yeah. Um, who is that? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? It's Guy um, Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And Joe Pantoliano and Joey Pants. Carrie, no, the girl from The Matrix. Isn't she in it? Is that Carrie Ann Moss? Yeah, that is Carrie Ann Moss. I'm not yeah, sure if that's who's in it. I can't Sean. remember. Yeah, good. And knowledge. I will say this uh, <laughs> it was fun being around uh, training camp yesterday because uh, my shirt had just arrived. I had sent a picture of it to my cousin and I was really excited about it. Um, and. I, I was like, okay, let's play a game here. Let's go around and just say simple yes or no if you understand the reference to the movie. Everyone pretty much got it. And I was like, Brennan, do you know what this is? He had no clue. I said, okay, homework assignment. You must watch Seven. 
and every yeah. other member of the media was also telling me that I had to watch it. Right. Well, it's because it's a thing, Brennan, that you don't watch movies, and we, we have to educate you. This is like one two-hour block at a time we're trying to Brennan, would there have it's been two one-hour blocks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Brennan, would there have been any chance, because again, you said, like you said, you had seen it before, uh, once you realized you had seen it before, watching that in real time, would you, do you feel you would have been able to like turn it off like you did and wait in to finish it the next day? Well, I don't turn it up. What do you mean? Like, could I, could someone just pause it at any point and would I be annoyed Correct. with that? Correct. Yeah. If you were watching it for the first time, do you think you're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Let's stop here and we'll pick this up tomorrow or another time. It's just because I watch things when I fall asleep. God so damn it, Brendan. It wasn't like I was you invested. Fell asleep I to just seven? fall asleep. Like, <laughs> I fall asleep to shows if I'm watching them late. It's just that's, been a thing. That's amazing. Um, okay. So let's take care of some business. Uh, let's. First and foremost, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Uh, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on any of the like 800 different platforms that are now available to listen to podcasts, uh, give us a rating and review. The more stars, the better. Um, all of those things help our metrics and help us grow. Um, let's see, outside of that, uh, I, I did not lie. Uh, on Tuesday, I said I was going to start gating some content on the King's Beat. I did gate content. I'm sorry if that upsets you, uh, can, but can you explain what that means? Because I, I, it was a new concept to me when you. Okay, said so that. gating content means that uh, if you click on one of the emails that gets sent to you, sent to you, and you get maybe three paragraphs into the article, it then says, "In order to read the remainder of the article, oh. you must subscribe." So it's gated. It's it's basically you have a paywall. paywall. Well, I mean, the King's Beat has always been a paywall, but we haven't gated a lot of content. What we have done is we've done the happy hours and, and stuff like that to kind of get around it. Um, but in year two, like, we got a lot of loyal listeners and a lot of people who are uh, premium subscribers. So um, now everyone is going to have to be on the same level playing field. Although I'm not going to gate all content where uh, things like the podcast here, like today, won't be gated. Uh, but more articles will be gated this year than they have been in the past and uh so jump on board with the king's beat get a premium subscription um and just keep in mind that like it's seven bucks uh, a month for the king's beat or 75 bucks for a year and that's like one gallon of gas which i expend like maybe f five going to the arena and back uh so like i know it's it's seven bucks but at the same time it's seven bucks come on now let's go and you 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 put in a nice autograph photo or something like that right <laughs> what they get an autograph photo no? with with their subscription <laughs> yeah, uh, when they when they buy stuff i do personalized notes when they buy king's beat merchandise they do get personalized notes uh tasteful like, nudes yeah tasteful nudes <laughs> tasteful. <laughs> okay so we have nothing to talk about so we're just going to drag on talking about movies the rest of the show <laughs> right uh, people love that they people, people do love that yeah we're at the 537 mark of the show and we haven't started talking about basketball yet um it's been an interesting week uh I, let's start with brendan brendan um this is your first training camp uh we, we talked about this on tuesday when it came to um to media day a little bit uh but what are your first thoughts on just sort of getting the flow of training camp and just the abundance of content that hits you in the face and then you have to sit there and figure out how to like what is meaningful and what's not and just you know the 
the brutality of the first week of, of getting back to basketball. Yeah, at this point, once we reach day three and day four will be tomorrow, uh, it does feel a little bit repetitive with some of the answers we're getting. And, you know, there's no new games for us to base anything off of or anything like that. So I think if anything, you can catch up on or you can catch on to trends and like things that guys keep repeating. And I think like focusing on details has been something that um, obviously Mike Brown is known for, but also just hearing that echoed from the players. Fox and Domas, who we got yesterday, both highlighted um, him talking about some rules on the defensive end that he's been implementing as well. So I, I think it's kind of trying to pick up on the different things that are being repeated because at this point we're talking to these same people a couple times over without having uh, any new games in front of us or anything like that. And yeah, I don't have a great reference points when it comes to what last year looked like to compare with with Mike Brown coming into this year, but it definitely seems like there's a good energy around the team and, and some optimism going into the year with with Mike Brown. But what's your guys' perspective having done this for a long time now? Yeah, Sean, you're the old hat. What do you got for us? The old hat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you usually get – you start to reach some boring monotony of camp. But this one's been a little fun. Like, I, I remember saying how um, I think a Mike Brown camp is going to get back to weight basketball structurally and, and teaching, and it's going to be a lot of that, and that it might just be an old, boring kind of camp from that standpoint. And, and that was that – was, I was saying that as a good thing because of just all the um, structure that's around a, a typical training camp and what he's going to bring to the Kings. Um, but – We've had Barry Bonds show up at camp already. Oh, We've yeah? had the first week. We haven't even had a preseason game, and you already have Bennett Salvatore, the old uh, NBA referee, stopping by camp to go over points of emphasis for the season, new new rule changes, things of that nature. I know there was a – I think Brendan had remarked on a lot of the uh, take foul uh, on his social media commentary, so um, people can kind of check that out. But, yeah, um, yeah, those are things that – the Barry Bonds thing was completely different, but I mean, you, every year the the officials rules come, officials come in, and it might be after your first preseason game when when they come in. I think they like to do it before, but um, to have it on day three was a little bit unique. So uh, yeah, it's it's great to see some of those things already have taken place. Um, I hope we get to see a little bit more of what uh, camp is looking like. I think a lot of it right now is very structured and there's not really it's a lot of teaching a lot of uh, concepts and um, plays and a lot of five on oh as as De'Aaron Fox had alluded to um, yesterday so um, we're not seeing they're not we're not really seeing a whole lot of it but that first day um, as as players will tell you that the, the the weeks leading up to training camp is so that you can get ready for training camp not try to get into shape uh, not get in shape right when training camp goes and use those weeks you want to make sure it's it's ahead of that and uh, a lot of running in that first uh, in that first day but since then we haven't seen a, a lot of it so a lot of what's been going on so um, yeah we'll, we'll hopefully be able to get to see some more here in the coming days and then yeah preseason game right around the corner yeah preseason on Monday uh, the Kings face the Los Angeles Lakers in LA um, is it still crypto or did that already crypto. go crypto.com it's it, that hasn't gone bankrupt yet I, I'm just just saying <laughs> Uh, Ooh, just fired. just asking for a friend. Yeah, just, okay, uh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, through three days of camp, um, we had Mike Brown twice. Um, the first day we had, what, Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter. Second day we had Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk. Day three we had 
De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. And I think we're going to focus a lot of our conversation around those two uh, just because, like, it kind of does feel like they they set us up with, like, two guys who are maybe starters, but probably starters as a first day. Day two, we got the backcourt bench pairing. Day three, we got the two stars of the team. Um, I think day four, we'll probably get Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes. That would be my guess. So we're sort of getting these these small groupings of players. Um, but let's uh, we're going to run a clip of let's start with Fox uh, because we do have we have two clips today and and I just want to like the good thing about seeing Fox is here is there's a f- smile on his face and uh, it's something that I think he had lost a little bit and I, I feel like there's a good energy with him so let's play the first clip. Darren, you've been here a long time. Just how does this season feel different and how what do you want to have go? right for you this season where you know a lot of things spun out quickly last year um i mean for us it's really just competing from the from the opening tip of the first game um until the last game if that's in the playoffs or or not so um you know a lot of teams have have ups and downs but whenever you're down you know you can't you know have guys go separate ways um and be splitting off and i think every coach every player in the league will tell you that so um (laughs) and y'all could probably guess who that was um but yeah, it's, it's really just just coming together early and uh, and staying together through through all the the goods and bads. Does it feel like Mike is sort of a reset button for you and the rest of this team? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I've been a part of the organization, but like I said, this is an entirely different team from you know any of the past five that I've had. What's... All right, um, Sean, why don't we go to you for clarification on what <laughs> what happened there in the middle? Because it seemed to have take on, uh, taken on a life of its own where people were speculating on what Fox might be talking about. But it really was like it's when I put the video out, when you put the video out, I don't think either one of us thought that there was anything to it at all because we were there live. But it did, that video did kind of take a life of its own. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like he's reacting to something he saw. Um, but I guess, you know, again, maybe it's because, like you said, James, we were there. Um, but. Yeah, Jay Triano hucked a ball off a off a basket, and uh, he he reacted to it. So, but I mean, it came at an odd time because yeah, he is talking about the way the team could separate, the way you know losing can affect a team. So, um, keeping the cohesiveness and keeping the that that chemistry together is is important. So, um, I don't necessarily. I don't think necessarily it was a it was a terrible thing that somebody drew conclusions as to who he was talking about because those people were part of the previous team, you know. But it's not just exclusive to them. I mean, it's 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 a major factor with apathy that that <laughs> happens to you know creep into a team and when that they're when they're losing. And so, um, yeah, man, this is this is a team, and he's talked about it, and and I agree with him. It's the most talent, ready talent that he's had around him, and he's part of that. I mean, he's he's had to be a guy who's developed his own way as well. So um, they're ready for prime time, I think, and I think this is a team that is is looking forward to competing. But again, it's a lot of words because no one's lost yet. So that's they're trying to make a lot of inroads before facing their first four game losing streak you know these are part of things that happen in the course of a season and then what happens you know how do they do they fray do they separate do they 
keep the course? Are people unhappy with roles? Things of that nature. So this is a that's that's a that's a big thing and you have a lot of professionals on the team right now and you have a lot of guys who've experienced what it's like to win what it's like to lose um what a star player is all about what professionalism and structure and discipline are all about and uh this is uh this is big boy league this is professionals so um it's not a bunch of young guys anymore yeah brendan i want to bring up something that fox started with and that is that it's got to be from opening tip of opening night all the way through the full 82 games and um i'll I'll take away the the end of the season where fox actually had a broken bone in his hand and there was some miscommunication about that and so he missed the the last part uh portion of the season where he he literally couldn't hold the ball but we all know that what happened last year really started at the beginning of the season with fox coming in and not looking like fox at all um and, and so i like to hear that he's saying from opening night, I've got to be this, we've got to be this. And I think that's something that I keyed on really quickly that he understands. So all the people out there that like think that maybe some of these players don't get it or they, they're not paying attention, that showed me pretty clearly that Fox has been paying attention to what people have thought about him last season, about how his season went. And just, Brennan, where, where did you take that? I definitely caught on to the same and uh like you're pointing out i think that's been a big critique of fox not only last year but years prior as well that there's just some inconsistency that the first half of the year maybe he's not quite um the same guy that you want him to be and just him highlighting the importance of that i I think does go a long way and and one of the other things that he mentioned a little bit later that i think falls into the same is he really talked about accountability and that you can't be afraid to say something. And Mike's, Mike Brown is going to make sure that he is someone who who says something. So I think just the theme that we've heard of the details, the competitiveness, um, just all kind of falls into that. And if they get a locked in De'Aaron Fox for a large majority of the season, I mean, we've seen what he's capable of doing. And it's probably somewhere in the middle compared to the beginning of the year or that stretch he had at the end where he was just totally on fire. It's probably somewhere in the middle of that. But, um, you know, if, if they get a really locked in De'Aaron Fox all year long, then I think that obviously the team is in a, in a much better spot. And I think it would do a lot for how people view him as well. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say too, you know, I agree with everything there. And, and I think it's important to point out that when you listen to those comments again, it's, it, it's not so much finger pointing at other people like he's including himself in that and that's why I mentioned the apathy of it because I think for him he's a player who has struggled with just going through the motions and relying on the talent and that he has and not necessarily the you know we've, we've documented it pretty well sometimes he gets up for certain matchups and other guys he doesn't kind of get up and have that same vigor but he's been a guy who tends to put the pedal to the metal in the fourth quarter you know and and you know, coast maybe through certain other quarters. So uh, I think it's an account holding himself accountable more than anything. I don't necessarily think he's pointing his finger at Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley or guys that have been teammates of his in the past. Um, I think it's a collective unit. And, and, and my takeaway of it is he's really putting a lot on himself. Um, and, and as you said, as he's talked about sustaining the same type of energy, that same type of um, zest, if you will, from tip off to the final game of the season and it's it's we all talk about the marathon and and what of what the season is and how long it is and 
again, what does it look like when you hit, hit the little smallest patch of adversity? Um, and, and for him, it coincides with learning how to play off ball. I know that's a huge topic that we've been, not just for him, but other players, they're, they're really talking about what guys should be doing when playing off ball, especially if you're running through a big man like Damana Sabonis. Yeah, so I think that, that that really does bring us to that is the next topic. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I'm going to, like, I don't want this to come off as, like, an accusation about the people that were here before, but it feels like when we're talking to Sabonis, when we're talking to Fox, it's not just, like, a lot of times we walk into a season and a coach starts laying out what he wants to see. It feels like this coaching staff... As soon as Mike Brown was hired, he reaches out, he hires Luke Locks. As soon as he brings in him, he sends him straight to De'Aaron Fox. And it was with the express intent to get Fox to play off the ball, to learn how to shoot off the ball, to get comfortable off the ball, to learn how to play with uh, Sabonis, to learn how to play when Sabonis is off the court, but to not always just have to be the driving force of the team. And then we see the same thing with with Sabonis, where Sabonis is out there working with, uh, what is it, Chris Chris Matthews, uh, lethal shooter. It wasn't just that that this is going to be who we are going into this season, but it feels like for one of the first times that I can remember, there was a game plan that was put in place early on to sort of shore up some of the things, shore up some of the issues that some of these players have. And it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to get to camp and we're going to try to work through this. They hit the ground running in June or July and really started putting in some mechanisms in place to support and help these guys get into this season. And the reason I bring this up, because this feels almost exactly the opposite of what happened last year and why we got to last year. And one of the reasons Fox like wasn't effective early in the season was very specific they handed the ball to Tyrese Halliburton and said, okay, go ahead and direct the traffic for 50% of the time or more. And you could see right away that Fox was uncomfortable, that that's not what he was used to, and it wasn't what he had sort of prepared for. And all of a sudden, he's being told to do something totally different than what felt natural to him as a basketball player. And I know that other coaches do this, and this, again, it's not an accusation on on the previous guys because they're still trying to fit everything together and they didn't have a player like Saponis to work with, but you guys get what I'm saying? It feels like there is a clear plan in place specifically for Fox and for Saponis on how they can make this whole thing work. I definitely see that. I mean, like you pointed out with, with De'Aaron, I mean, he said yesterday that he was been working with Luke on his off ball ability, um, shooting and cutting and things like that since, since June. And he said it's different from anything he's done before and being taught that is is super different. So I think that like you're pointing out what we saw with him and Tyrese last year, the your turn, my turn. I, I think that they both looked De'Aaron specifically looked pretty uncomfortable off the ball. And, and I don't think that that's something that he's just like incapable of making an impact off the ball or anything. Um, I, I think to your point is just something that he's not used to doing and maybe wasn't coming into the year thinking that that was going to be the case. And obviously that's more obvious with Domas and maybe the jump that Tyrese took wasn't quite expected. It certainly wasn't expected from my point of view. Um, so I'm sure that that factors in as well, but you know, uh, playing off of Domas is also a more natural 
fit, I think, for De'Aaron, just them being able to play together, which also helps in it. But they definitely seemed different, specifically from De'Aaron's point of view of the level of him talking about working as an off-ball player going into this year. Yeah, and it had to happen because it was an obvious blight on the team. We Look, we, James and I, James was probably sick of me hearing about it when we were talking about what the struggles of De'Aaron Fox was last year. And I, I was talking about, I was like, he's playing off ball. De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox standing in the corner is not good for anyone, not good for any team for their success. You got a Ferrari and you just parked it. Like, that's not good. And it's not like he's a knockdown shooter from the corner anyway. So, um, you know, man, there's, there's, it's good to see that they identified things. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, they, they had ultimate belief in De'Aaron. They also had the hefty commitment to him. And when you have a huge contract like that, it's harder to trade when you, as opposed to someone who is an up and comer who has a rookie contract for the next four years and team control and all that. Like that's, that's why the Pacers we're so high on Halliburton and we've gone through all those uh, scenarios as to people who go, why was it Halliburton and not Fox, especially if Fox is the one that's struggling. Well, you put the ball back in his hands, Halliburton's gone. You got a guy, an all-star type talent like Demonis Sabonis and you move the ball the way he does and in a half court set and he's so dominant in the paint and people can just cut around him. Like it's, you see it. It was just unfortunate that it's such a small sample size that they had to work together last year, but now you have the whole off season and you've got a camp and um, this is why they're, they're, they're building around it. You have to build talent around it and shooting around it. And they might have something here, hopefully. And uh, I think for, for Fox, it's, it's a, he recognized it right away. He, he knew what he was going through and that uncomfortable that you want to be uncomfortable. You want to know what it's like to be uncomfortable when you're in this league and, and you identify the things you have to get better at. And I think that was something not only the Kings identified, but he certainly did. And and with Sabonis, man, for as talented as he is, the only thing that he can't really do is shoot. And so that that's something he works on every single year. That didn't take Mike Brown, you know. That didn't take um, the, the 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 you know the front office to say, hey hey, we want you to do more of this. And that's something that he's trying to do every single year. So you get with different trainers. Maybe it's a trainer you haven't seen before. In this case, it was Lethal Shooter, and you go and and you try to make inroads and try to get improved and improve from the perimeter because in this day and age, everyone needs to be able to knock down threes. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. Like I think I made the statement last year that we got to a certain point in the season where, you know, the Kings did make upgrades in the off season last year and they came into the year and, and there did was they? some last well, year. Did they, mm. they did more than they did the year before, you know, they, they had actually gone out and got a few players and I think when we looked at that team, it's like, why is this team so bad? And I, I think I, I made this statement sometime either during the summer or like at the end of the season. Um, I, th- I think we learned very quickly that just the core wasn't good enough, right? And that's what I kept thinking, like the core isn't good enough. And But I kept thinking they should be better than this. And I know you hate the word should, but <laughs> like the whole time you kept thinking like, that's not a 30-win team. Like, sure are they was. a 45-win team? No. But was that a 30? Like, and barely clawing your way to 30? I didn't see that. I mean, that team looked like they were a better team. And I'm starting to think that that maybe it was partially, you know, talent and partially, like, a bad mix of players. But I think the other thing we got to look at is that they didn't 
plan to go into the season and see the carry split so much between the two point guards. And and it just added this whole weird wrinkle to the whole thing and nothing felt right. And I don't think they could even put their finger on it as much as just everything felt wrong. Nothing felt like smooth and flowing. It was always like stop and go. And, uh, and you know, again, maybe it wasn't that the team was just like a poor, that they weren't talented enough. Maybe it was that they didn't have an idea of who they should be coming into the season where I think that's something that we kind of see that they're addressing right now. Well, it's more than talent. I mean, you're being nice. I mean, that team sucked. It was a poor construction of talent. It was you were they were focused on trying to elevate young guys and have them develop and try to compete at the same time. There's nothing wrong with that. They thought ancillary pieces as opposed to disrupting the core or yeah, major pieces, you know. It it would would help grow those pieces. It's again, it's the basketball IQ wasn't there. You know, you had a bunch of uh, immaturity, and I don't mean that in a in a in a negative way. It's just you're not there yet. There's some players take time to develop, and then you have to build chemistry, and that's why having somebody like Harrison Barnes was was so crucial for them. You know, because you have a guy who knows what it's like, but you're looking around, going, "God, I'm surrounded by idiots," because they don't they don't have what he knows. They don't have they don't have the smarts that he did, and that's why when you put Tyrese Halliburton on the floor, who has a very high basketball IQ and feel for the game, he sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, this guy's great. Yeah, he is great. But you should, a lot of guys should be like that. A lot of guys should have the feel for the game that way. You know, it was compared to the rest of the people that he was around, he was elite in that way. And I don't mean to like, it's, I'm just calling a spade a spade here. Like that just wasn't a good team. And, and you know, I didn't predict that team to win 40 win. I mean, I was I, I'm always very low on that, you know, until you, until you got to kind of see it first. And that's why I always say kind of have to see what it looks like first. And every year you had a collection of guys where it's like, all right, this is a rollover from the beginning, or especially last year where it's like, all right, we're going to bet on some of the moves that they added, the Mo Harkless of the world. And I can't even Terrence remember. Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis. Yeah, these are guys yeah. that you're bringing in. And Terrence is a young young guy himself. He's not a veteran player. So you're, you're, you're betting on, on some of those paying off. And yeah, they added some toughness to the team and the physicality of the team, which was good, but it wasn't, I think enough to sustain success throughout a season. And you, you didn't do anything to the core at that point. So it wasn't for lack of trying and I get it, but um, this year is different in that way because you have surrounded them with quality depth. And that's something I, I like to harp on a lot when, we're, when yeah. we're talking about what what does a team look like. You can put names on jerseys, but quality – I mean, you, all you have to do, guys, this is a fun it, – it's not a fun game. But all you have to do is go through the rosters of the past few players – of the past, past few seasons, look at players who are still on NBA rosters. Yeah, that's startling. There's it is, seven and that's what I mean. from the 2020 – opening night roster that are not in the league right now right and then of the ones that are who are rotational players it's even smaller so it's none of those guys i'm not trying to like make fun of anyone or or put shame on them but it's like that's the difference between depth and quality depth look at the people that you just brought in you've got a guy in malik monk coming off of a career year kevin herter is a solid starter for the miami or for the uh, miami for the atlanta hawks uh, who went deep into the playoffs two years ago, and this is these are things that you're you're bringing into your team that that if you're fast forwarding three or four years from now, they're still going to be effective players in the league. Yeah, I don't think that uh, 
you know, I didn't think Tristan Thompson was taking the team to 40 wins or anything last year, but I definitely thought that they were better than a 30 win roster when it came to that talent. But it looked like they just lost. They never gained an identity. If anything, their identity was a negative thing that probably don't even need to mention. They were just consistently horrible on on defense. And then there was a lack of trust that seemed to like just expand as as the year went on like and that's something that we've seen talked about in in this training camp that Mike Brown and I think DeMontis Sabonis was the other one to talk about the importance of trust um and, and Mike Brown specifically that I trust that if I go all out on the defensive end that the guys next to me are going to do the same so my effort won't go wasted and I think that we saw the other end of that a lot last year and then the other word we've seen float around a lot um that i just mentioned is identity i I think that mike brown said that we still don't know what our identity is davion said the same and i think figuring out what that exactly can be and if you want to say last year's was being a high-paced offense you're not getting out in transition if you never stop anyone on the other end so i'm not buying that one like they need to figure out what the identity of this team is because that didn't happen last year and remain trusting with everybody among them and have a sense of like camaraderie and just effort that doesn't wane. Yeah. And I think also to that point, pardon me, just, just like, you know what they want to be, you know what they, what they want their identity to be. It's not, it's just, you don't know what it is yet. What do you you think they want it to be? I think they want to be a, 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 a defensive team that can at least get into the top 15 or at least be between 15 and 20. I know. I mean, that's a, that would be a huge stride. That would be a huge front forward step forward. If they were able to do that based on where they currently stand, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, I think that's something that could be uh, possible. If you will, I think it's an attainable goal as a part as to opposed to a far fetched goal. Uh, and I think that they know that they want to play fast and they want to score. And I think what they look at, and, and it's the stuff James and I and, and you even, Brendan, you're a team that 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 has the ability to run fast and score fast and play up-tempo, and then you take yourself out of it and, and you try to slow it down at times when things get rough where it's like you already know you suck defensively. You, have, you better be a fast-paced team and try to outscore teams because clearly you're not a good defensive team. So when you take yourself out of scoring, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're basically putting more defense upon yourself and helping the other team. So they want to play fast, but they want to play – I mean, they know what they want. It's just can you do it? And it's, it's going to take more than one training camp and one season to accomplish, but I feel like they can – find characteristics that are trending the right way obviously not in the first few days of training camp but hopefully a month from now and two months from now they start to see what this team can actually be and they'll know it a lot faster than we will that's for sure yeah i mean to be honest this team was bad on both ends of the court i mean they finished 25th in the league in offensive rating and 27th in defensive rating it pace didn't matter their pace was i think eighth or ninth in the league it didn't matter. They're just flat out bad. They were an they inefficient shoot. offense. Yeah, they were a totally inefficient offense. When they made all the trades at the deadline, they brought in a, a bunch of guys who should have been good shooters and didn't hit any shots. I mean, it was like it was really a mess. The whole thing was a mess, and we had these little glimpses and and of positivity, and then it would be followed by weeks of of chaos and and things falling apart completely. Um, I, I think Mike Brown's gonna have the the ship going one direction this year. And, and that's a good thing. Like everyone has to buy into Mike Brown because he's going to be here. 
Um, and you know what? I, I think that kind of brings us it brings us to the other clip that we have, um, which is Sabonis and sort of how he fits into this whole puzzle that we're talking about. And I think having a guy like Sabonis, it changes everything because he's not flashy. He's a guy that comes in and grinds, who's there every day, who, you know, his intention is to is to be an all-star and to be great, um, but he also does all the things that you need to do to be great. He passes the ball well. He rebounds the ball well. He's not a great defensive player, but uh, he's not a bad position defender. He's just not a leaper, and he doesn't have great length. But uh, let's get to the clip of, of, uh, of Sabonis really quick. This one's a little longer, about two minutes. Is it a tough adjustment for you being someone that's such a playmaker, getting used to the tendencies and the spots that everybody likes it at with such a new group? Oh yeah, you just gotta. Uh, the more you play with the with the guys, you gotta learn uh, where they like the ball and what areas and stuff like that. But uh, with the new system coaches are putting in, uh, we're still all just trying to find our spots. How how was it going through your first camp here in Sacramento? Uh, going great. Going great. Weather's awesome. Um, <laughs> coaches are, are are doing a great job. Uh, guys are full of energy, so. Great. Is we, it because you came in the middle of the season last year? Does this feel like a, a fresh start, like a complete reset, especially with the new coaching staff? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Uh, it feels. Uh, I, I would say it feels completely different. Like a, a lot of new faces. It feels like it's a whole new team, just the same facility. What do you think you're excited for most? Um, being able to spend the full season, getting to know new teammates, coaches, things like that. Uh, it's definitely easier, you know, uh, to play once you uh, get to know your players more and more. And um, the more games we have, the more practices. Um, going through a training camp is going to help us a lot. How is your relationship with De'Aaron, both on and off the court, sort of developing that chemistry? Uh, it's great. It's great. Both of us um, are trying to do what's best for the team. You know, um, we're uh, in training camp. You know, every, everyone's just trying to learn everything uh, the coaches want us to do, and uh, hopefully. This, this afternoon practice, uh, we get to play uh, up and down a bit, so it's going to be more fun. On, he's on talked. Side. I'm sorry. He's talked about uh, learning to play off the ball more. Yeah. Um, I imagine you know moving with you and, yeah. and, and what are you seeing from him in, in that way? And is that you guys developed some comfort? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Coach really wants us to play off the ball in general, and uh, if, if Fox and I can uh, develop our um, two-man game doing that. It's gonna be even harder to stop because uh, when it's just pick and roll, you know, eventually it's uh, it gets easier. It gets easier to guard after a period of time. Uh, but if we can develop an, an off ball um, game, then it's it's gonna be really tough. Yeah, there's something about Sabonis's uh, media availability that I want to point out, and we get about five minutes with each player, and because he talks so fast, it ends up being like like a speed round. Does, do you guys feel that like when you're when he's done like he's sweating we're sweating it's like holy cow that was hectic it was like I mean Brendan you were talking so fast on your initial question it was like wow like you're like staccato like blah, 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 like because you start getting into a flow with him where he's just like he's super intense and he's super quick and he's like blah, 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 blah. and next question and we end up getting like. 40 questions in in five minutes, which, like, I don't know what the math is off the top of my head, but that's, like, really quick. He's very PR trained. You know, I have to imagine the media relations staff loves Stomos for that. Like, he gives you what, I guess there's not right and wrong answers, but I think he gets as close to, like, what the right answers would be for a lot of these things. Um, and he, he's a big fan of the weather, apparently. Sean might need to talk to him when it's raining and see what he's what he feels about that. But I feel like he's mentioned <laughs> the weather a few different times in these pressers. Um, you the know, dude it's, came it's from Indiana. To... 
You know, the weather out there is it's frightful. Fair point. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, but I, I think like, you know, the idea, one one big takeaway I had from his time with Lithuania was like, there's a lot of times where he's trying to hit these passes and, and guys aren't quite getting there in time or maybe just not comfortable comfortable with those teammates. And as somebody that is constantly setting guys up, I think it just made me realize the extent of how important it is for him to have good chemistry with the guys around him. And I think with there being so much turnover on this roster that that's going to be a little bit of a growing period for him, but there's a handful of guys he's comfortable with. He talked about how um, he likes having the athletic wings on this roster that he can obviously help unlock when it comes to cutting and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that Domas is definitely a, someone you got to pull things out of when it comes to these interviews for sure. Well, and I think also, you know, one of the things and not to be selfish here, but like, I really enjoyed the answer to the question I had, because I think there's a lot of people who think that Demonis bonus is a guy who makes everyone better on the floor. Right. And he's, he is that type of player, but for a lot of guys, having a player like that is an adjustment. I don't even mean just deer and Fox. I'm talking about like, you have to have motion around him. And oftentimes when he had the ball in his hands, dudes were like this and they're just watching him. Like, what are you going to do? And part of learning how to play with a player like that also coincides with like, you have guys who have to learn how to play around that. And you have shooters who have to move. They can't just stay stationary. You have to have motion around him. That's going to be a big thing, but there's a lot on him as well. And, and, and I've touched on it in previous podcasts. Like I'm coming into the season saying, I want him to be more selfish, not to take away from the ability that he brings. That's an elite ability he has to play make, to set up his teammates, to be that good teammate. That's elite. But I also feel he has an elite capability, ambidextrous in the paint, and it, it, he has an arsenal down there. Like you got to use that. And um, I know they wanted him to, to shoot more. Um, I, I think his scoring his his scoring impact itself should be at an all-time high this year, in my opinion. I think that's how they're going to have to utilize him in order to sustain success for him, especially because I think they're going to probably be involved in a lot of close games. So um, I looked at – if you look at Indiana last year, I mean, there were a team – even before you started hearing his name in, in trade rumors, I was watching how Indiana – not watching a lot of Indiana games necessarily, uh, although I did see quite a few because they were on um, – a lot of those close games coming down the stretch, they were a lot of tough luck losers in those in those games. And oftentimes I felt myself wondering, like, why isn't Sabonis, even the game, dude, if you remember, guys, the game that he came here, he wasn't that good. <laughs> like, he, he was not that good in the game here. And uh, he they would lose a lot of close games. And it was a lot of times because he wasn't taking shots. You know, he was relying on teammates, X, Y, Z, whatever, it didn't matter, like, the defense wasn't great either. They missed, you know, Brogdon for a long time. I think there's something that can be more brought out of him from an offensive standpoint and a scoring standpoint that this team is really going to need. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm slightly concerned that there aren't a lot of players on the Kings roster who have ever played with a player like him. And I know there aren't a lot of players like him in the league, but the fact that Kevin Herter has only played with rim runners like his whole entire career I mean, he talked about it like was it Bruno Fernando that he played with in, uh, at Maryland, um, Clint Capella that he's played with the last couple of years. Malik Monk said, like, yeah, I've played with a passing big man in Anthony Davis last year. But before that, 
No. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes can go back to his playing with Draymond Green days, I guess. Uh, but that's a long time ago. And Fox has never played with somebody. Davion's never played with Well, he also anybody. had Bogut, though. He also had Bogut. Can't, can't, Bogut was really. Yo, no, that's him. true. Yeah, that, there was Bogut. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think Barnes has played with some of these guys, right? Um, but I, I think it's going to require like a, an adjustment period where people are learning like how to cut, like how to do the things that they have to do. I think Keegan might have a little bit because he, he did play with who would you play with the big Luca Garza. Luca Garza, yeah. So there's going to be a little bit of that where he does have you know that he's played with a big man before. Um, and some guys, it's just naturally in their game. And I think the transition for a guy like Herder is going to be pretty simple because he knows where just to find seams and to move around on the perimeter and be open. Um, so I think that that will help him. But I also think that there could be a little bit of growing pains when it comes to you know how you play with Sabonis, how you move around the court. And you talked about, Brennan, it's a good point, like the Lithuanian team. I, I think when I watched a lot of those games, they just weren't the players around him just weren't good enough. Like, it just flat out. They they didn't have a great feel for the game of basketball. Like, most of the Kings players walk on the court and just have such a better feel for the game than any of those guys. And the fact that you had to play him with Valanchunas uh, for stretches, that didn't help you either because then you're just totally clogging the lane. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, like, this should... The, the potential on the offensive end for this to be a top-10 offense is totally there. You know, they were a top 10 offense two years ago. They were, I think they finished number nine with uh, under Luke. Like, this team can actually play offense. So, you know, it's going to be can they balance everything? And will Mike Brown help them balance that? Or is he going to be fighting to slow it down until they, they play defense and then try to speed it up later and sort of have this stop and go? Uh, I think it's like there is some, like, clearly there's a lot of coaching and a lot of teaching that has to go into this training camp and the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, I think that what you pointed out with uh, the guys that have and haven't played with a big like Sabonis and getting used to that is is definitely something that I've been monitoring. I'm actually writing something on that today that'll go up on the Kings Herald. And I, I think that Herter was definitely the one that stood out as he was pretty vocal about like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. You mentioned Bruno Fernando, Clint Capella, like just kind of playing with rim runners. I thought it was interesting when Sabonis talked about Herter that he la- highlighted that he was pretty uh, excited about Herter's potential to play in a pick and roll. And I think that that's a way that that duo can mesh pretty quickly right away. I, um, Fox also mentioned how Herter maybe is uh, unfairly viewed as just a catch and shoot guy by a lot of people throughout the league, and he's able to do a lot more. So I, I think that that's definitely going to be an adjustment period. And I'm kind of opposite of Sean in a way of, I, I kind of think that Domas is just going to be like the assist numbers is what I really am, am thinking this year is, is going to be big for him. And at times when all the movement and spacing that he's going to have will allow him to get his own buckets. But I think that there's a lot of guys on this team, specifically when you look at like what my our projected starting five is, um, I, I think that all of those guys function so well off of a passing big like Domas. I think that De'Aaron, um, hearing how much he's highlighted and focused on being an off-ball player and also just the skills, like the not only top speed, but the jerkiness that he has to his game. I think he can be a phenomenal off-ball player and cutter, um, especially if his shot, catch and shoot shot is going down, which we've seen be converted at an okay rate throughout the course of his career. Um, so I, I think that playing through Domas is obviously going to be huge. And I think that there's 
just that's going to be a different adjustment for different guys. Like Davion is someone that stands out to me is I could see that being a pretty tough adjustment for him. I can't think of bigs at Baylor that um, he was playing off of or anything like that. And he's somebody that I thought functioned a lot better with the ball in his hands compared to off of it on the offensive end. So I think learning to play with Domas is totally going to be uh, something I keep a close eye on throughout preseason you, start you, of the year. Do you think he should be a 20 point scorer average? Uh, yeah. I mean, right about, I think okay, that so like he's only done that one time in his career. Yeah, but I Once. mean, if he's the 18 that he was last year, though, like that's fine with me. I think yeah, if he no, get... no, no. See, see, that's what I'm saying. I think he has to be a he has to be over to like he has to be in in this situation a better scorer for them to have success. He is that type of player. It's not taking away from what he does to distribute the ball. He can still do all that. He's still going to be a fantastic rebounder. I'm expecting more shots, shot attempts for him because he hasn't played in a system that's going to have this many touches. It's going to be quicker than what they did in Indiana for sure. Yeah, I think I like, think there's we, more shots though for for Herder, for Keegan Murray, and I think like he can set up some of these other guys to get more shots up too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I I'll say this. Like, I, I guess we could just do this really quickly. Like, what would be a perfect season in your mind for Doma. So for me, it's like 20, 12, and 7. Like, if he can hit that number, number one, no. he's an all-star. Uh, but number two, the Kings are good. The Kings he's are also never, he's never had He's never been up to 7 before, though. Yeah, but... So that's going to be I'll say that's that gonna be he tough. hasn't had the shooters. He hasn't had the shooters around him he's in had, Indiana. He's had some okay shooters. Well, no, but the difference between having a guy like Herter who everyone in the league is tracking and is game planning for because of his ability to shoot, like you have to actually be – he has to be part of the game plan versus a guy like Justin Holiday, who is like his his number one target for three-point shots last year. I mean, just go back and look at their team that they've had the last couple of years. Uh, sure, the Brogdon thing was there, but it, he, he wasn't healthy and he wasn't there very often. TJ uh, – Warren, Warren or McConnell. No, no, TJ Warren. Yeah. Well, and TJ McConnell. Neither one McConnell of them too, yeah. are great three-point shooters. They're more of like super athletes, or or not super athletes, but they're more of creative scorers than they are shooters. So if you keep going around, like Lance Stevenson's playing a role on that team. Like you got a bunch of guys, and like if Miles Turner is like your number one three-point option. Well, and he didn't have Karis LeVert. I mean, the dude got hurt. And... Well, even if you had Karis LeVert, though, Karis LeVert is still more of a creator. He's yeah. not a pure shooter from the perimeter. So that's where I think, uh, like, Sabonis, I, I think he can get to seven without even trying. Just by just by feeding the ball to Keegan, to Harrison Barnes, to, to Monk, to Herter, uh, a couple here and there to Davion Mitchell, a couple here and there to De'Aaron Fox. That's how you get to seven assists pretty quickly. And, like, again, I think last year he was, like, a walking six assists with the Kings, and that's with them missing shot after shot after shot. And they didn't have they didn't have shooting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brennan, what would you put him at? Yeah, I think that that's about the same. I think, like, the 18 I, – I think that seven is a good number. You know, Jokic last year, 7.9. Uh, Draymond was the other big that was above seven. I know Jokic is a high bar, but like I, I think a ridiculously high bar. I, I definitely understand, them, yeah. but I think that that's the yeah. point for me is like running the offense fully through Domas. And I think that maybe even like the rebounding numbers are already really high, but I could put it at like a 13. I think he's far and away the best rebounder on this team. And I think that 
you see, you know, the scoring total totals go up for maybe De'Aaron a little bit compared to last year. You're closer to that 25 that we saw the year prior. I think that Keegan gets gets um, a decent amount of buckets. He's comfortable playing off a big. He said, uh, you mentioned Luca Garza. He said he got most of his points his freshman year off cutting and playing through Garza when he's getting doubled during the post. I think he's going to be comfortable there. I think HB has a smart game. Chima told us he's the best cutter in the world. In the world. world. (laughs) Uh, I think Herter gets more than 12 points. Like I I think 18, 13, and 7 is is a good year for me with Domas. And and the big thing is... (laughs) what he does on the defensive end, to be honest. I think this is one of my biggest things for Domas is because you want to be a good defensive team. There's no rim protection on this team anywhere. Um, And sure, like Domas is a fine positional defender, but when you already don't have great perimeter containment, maybe that'll be improved this year. Um, There's ways to that being better than what we see on years prior. Um, Although obviously being a low bar, but not having rim protection in any sort of form, I think, is a really tough thing for teams to deal with. So I think a similar numbers to what we saw with his 15 games last year with the Kings, but defense is where I, I think is going to be the big aspect I'm keeping an eye on with Domas this year. Hmm. Um, I'm looking, just for sake of argument, um, last year the Golden State Warriors averaged 4.5 blocks per game. They were 18th in the league, and they're second in the league in defensive rating. Um, they didn't have a single player average more than 0.7 blocks per game. And it's because they, they basically just do everything by by committee. And I know to compare the Kings to the Warriors, it's not it's not great. But what I'm saying is that like, like they do have pieces that, especially on the defensive end, kind of you know look similar at, at times. I, I think Wiggins is a better player, uh, a better defensive player than, than Barnes, of course. But... Like overall, I think you can kind of see if they can get the right system in that they might actually be able to take a pretty solid leap as far as a defensive team. And I get you, like having a natural shot blocker is great, um, but, you know, two years ago the Kings had uh, Holmes average like 1.6 blocks per game and and Hassan Whiteside average, what was it, like over one. Um, and that was the worst defensive team, one of the worst defensive teams in the history of the league. So, like, I, I get it. Like, you still want to be able to clog the lane and <laughs> They slow. had no perimeter defense. They had no yeah, <laughs> And no perimeter defense was seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's it's hard to tie it all together, and that's what's going to be the hardest thing for Mike Brown is you have all of these moving elements that you've got to figure out how they fit into place and, like, really no time to do it. I mean, Monday is the first preseason game, and I think we'll learn a lot about – Number one, who the starting lineup is going to be, which I think we can all predict. But um, I think it's also why Brennan, we're probably going to see Rashawn Holmes play because Rashawn Holmes is a guy that can average over a block a game. And I think Keegan Murray can get close to a block a game. Like, so they don't have like zero shot blocking ability. It's just they don't have a true, you know, like rim protector at, at the back end. Yeah. And Mike's talked about, Mike Brown has talked about the importance of, you know, just defense being all five players and it's not just one guy, um, obviously. So I think, yeah, just a lot of being on the same page and and being creative with coverages, which I think is something that we saw Golden State do a lot last year. Um, even like just watching some of those Nigerian national team games that 
was Mike Brown, Luke Laux, and Jordy Fernandez. Like they're very creative and switching up their coverages all the time. I think we're going to see like anytime Davion Mitchell's out the, on the floor, I'm expecting him to be picking up guys full court. That's something we saw Golden State do a lot with like Luca last year in the playoffs. So I think that there are shortcomings when it comes to defensive talent on Sacramento's roster, but being creative in working around that is seems to be a strong suit of Mike Brown. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the business of basketball. Um, Brendan, you did kind of go off on this on Twitter. We got to see Bennett and Salvatore in, in the, uh, in the gym yesterday. Um, can you give us the, the take foul in a nutshell? Yeah, you know, I was trying to listen in on on the speech that the Kings were getting, which I thought was a very funny looking setting, by the way. It's just like these, Dude, you know, middle the... middle school slideshows just never end. Apparently, you were locked in. You were you locked were in. We trying were to listen. You. We, we were we were watching you. <laughs> I was trying to listen. <laughs> Sean's like, hey, look at Brennan. Brennan's like super. Brennan was person. like, oh, you you were burning daggers through Bennett Salvatore, man. You were. You could have been front of the class right over there. You were all in. And I'll tell you, like, when Bonds was there, I know I took a video of Bonds out in the center court. and um, Yeah, someone... your video was probably like this. <laughs> yeah, Flipping him yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they're like, hey, was there anything you, Was there anything Barry said to you guys, like, out there? And I thought, yeah. I, I leaned over to Frankie, and I said, yeah. He said, don't do drugs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I was bringing this up specifically because someone like commented, "Hey, you need a omnidirectional mic or something." And I'm like, "Look, man, that's that's basically like the size of a Costco. It, like it's got a 80-foot tall ceiling or a 60-foot tall ceiling. Like they're all the way on the other side of the court. We're just trying I'm using a phone. We're just trying to get whatever we can to show people that Barry Bonds is there. Like I'm I'm not going to be able there there isn't a mic that you're going to find on a single media member that's going to be able to hone in and get clean audio on Barry Bonds from across the room. Right, Sean? Like, uh, you didn't get clean audio of everything he said, right? No, no. And even, like, I, from when I was at 10, I have a better, um, uh, what we call a nap mic, our secondary mic that's on the camera, uh, even with a better screen protector that looks like a dead cat on there. Uh, but, like, that one's a lot better than what I've had prior. And, yeah, I mean, it's a noisy, echoey, gym where any little um you know basketball hitting the floor is gonna is gonna kind of make things it's a lot jarring better. that's why yeah. De'Aaron Fox was like, yeah. like what just happened <laughs> what was that but if you like I I felt like it took me some time I tried to play with the audio a little bit and editing and I, I I wanted to be able to show people that I made an attempt and there are things you can hear from from that discussion. It was pretty quiet, at least on our end, which was great. Yeah. The gym was quiet. The whole team was listening to Barry Bonds talk. Um, most were, of them were, had no idea who he was. But yeah, mo okay. but I, there was enough that were amu at least amused and, and thought knew that this was a oh shit, this is a this is a big moment. This is a cool moment. But uh, others were just like, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's Barry Bonds and I, I met someone famous today, and that happens a lot during the course of an NBA season where you'll meet luminaries and celebrities and things of that nature. But um, you could tell it meant a lot to Mike Brown. Obviously, he has a relationship with him. And, yeah. and Vivek had just had him throughout the first pitch uh, that Vivek caught <laughs> behind home plate uh, over uh, at, at the River Cats finale and kind of touching in on that. Like, yeah, the Kings now own the River Cats. It's not just Vivek. It's they have control of the River Cats. So 
Um, they had just ushered in a new era over there and brought him over. And, and, and I thought it was a neat thing. But, yeah, I wanted to try and show people at least what was said in there. And, and we're not – it's not like we could go walk up to that. We had to stay on the other end of the court. They were like <laughs> uh, 75 we feet away. We could not – yeah. We could not cross the gun line. You cross the gun line, you get shot. You've seen the That's movie Life. And so um, you can tell them about the gun line, boss. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so we got sidetracked, Brendan. We'll get Sorry. So me and Sean were watching you and like, <laughs> Brendan is Dude, fully engaged. <laughs> I was trying. And again, it's a TV on the wall, on the side wall. We had the worst angle possible. 80 feet at least away, maybe 90 feet away on the side wall where... I mean, they have a, a basically a cabinet that opens up, and there's a TV hiding there, and all the players are uh, around it. Um, so, Brendan, just what is the new take foul rule to get back to the question at hand? So, what I've been curious about is like what in the what is the technical wording because you know they have to follow it by the book, right? When it comes to referees, but. I don't even have a great answer on that. And it seems like De'Aaron didn't either when he kind of got asked about it. He was like, you know, sometimes guys are going to disguise it as we were trying to go after the ball. Um, And I think that there is a difference between the two. Um, But the ref was there, said like, oh, you guys know when it is an intentional foul to stop a transition. It's like, sure, but I don't exactly know how the refs are going to differentiate that when it comes to the specific definition. But when a transition take foul does occur, Um, The team that's fouled gets one free throw and the ball back. And it does not have to be the person that was fouled that takes the free throw, which this sounds very much like a De'Aaron Fox rule. Um, (laughs) De'Aaron Fox could be the one to get fouled, and you could send Malik Monk, Kevin Herter to the free throw line to take the one and you get the ball back. As Um, long as they're on the floor. Yes, sorry. As long as they are on the floor when the foul happens. Um, And if you're in the bonus and you get fouled, uh, transition take foul, it's not two free throws. It's just the same way that it would be a transition take foul. You would get your one free throw and the ball back, although transition take fouls do apply as team fouls towards the bonus. Um, so okay. that was majority of everything I got there. If I was Bennett Salvatore, I would say, look, this is rule is in place because you're taking away the excitement from the game, and you're going to be penalized for it. So just let them go down and dunk it. Yeah, and I'm, I kind of wonder, like, we didn't ask Fox sort of the follow-up, like, how excited are you about the no-take foul? Because he's the fastest dude in the league, and he can get out ahead of people, and, you know, they do wrap him up quite often, and, like, get him out there and, like, let him throw down. He's a guy that, you know, has slowed down as far as a dunker over the last couple of seasons. I'd like to see him get down and, and hammer a couple of crazy dunks. That would be fun. Do you so. think there's anything to, like the mental aspect of not having De'Aaron be the one to take the free throw. Do you think we ever see like Mike Brown be like, Oh, I trust you. You go take it or. You know, no. it used to be like, yeah, the, the great shooter, whoever your great shooter is takes a foul. Like, and I, I know like Peja and Doug used to look at their free. They were like number one and number two or number two and number three in the league at all times in free throw percentage. Whoever was leading at that moment got to take the free throw. So if there's a, a tech or or anything, they they would look at each other and it would be like, oh, it's your it's your game. You get to you get to go shoot it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I also think it like makes De'Aaron Fox need to be a better free throw shooter. Get up there and hit a, hit a shot. Um, I I think it's interesting. 
Barnes last year, 82% from the line. Uh, Kevin Herter last year, 80%. Malik Monk last year, 79%. That's not great. Darren Fox a... was? 74. let <laughs> He's got to type. He's got to around there. 75. 75. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which was uh, up, right? That was that was higher. That was up. Remember, so right? seventy one point yeah. nine last year. Yeah, the year before. Yeah, I mean. yeah um, but his free throw numbers were down. His attempts per game, and that was last year's point of emphasis to take it take away the unnatural play, the unnatural look. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I would like to see Fox get back up to the seven or eight free throws a game that he he was at the this season before. Um, yeah. because that's, I mean, that's where he can really, really set 7.2. He lost 1.3 attempts per game last season. And I think it was strictly on the way that they implemented the rule and took away, you know, his ability. Sorry about that. Took I away also his... think, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't interrupt. I, I also think it happened because he was playing off ball and it lo- so many of his attempts were in the paint. Whereas before you didn't see so many of those, like he, 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 you know, you know what he is around the free throw, the free throw jumper, all that stuff extended right or left. But he last year, I I found myself seeing him get into the paint and and try to force a lot of stuff, looking to draw a foul. And it, we we I remember we would make mention James where it's like he's not looking to score, he's looking to draw a foul, and that's why he's not getting a lot of the calls because he's not looking to score the basketball. Yeah, outside of the like normal uh, movement of a game, yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, again, like him getting to 25 points, it, there's no secret why he wasn't at 25 points per game last season. It, w- he lost two points per game, and one of them was uh, that he shot like 1.3 less free throws per game, and the other is because he shot like like 1.4 less three-pointers per game. Like if it, those numbers are back up, then he'll get to 25 points without any problem, and I think he can go up from there. I, th- I actually think he can have – slightly better season and take some of the pressure off of some of these younger guys or or guys who are trying to figure out their way on this team um okay so uh i think we're we're wrapping this thing up uh we're back to two pods again uh every week and we'll we'll figure out what days we're gonna do them um but you know one early in the week one late in the week just kind of the basics that we've always done um we won't have one on monday night because of course the kings are playing the lakers um and we'll have to fit one in probably on tuesday um, but yeah, we're, we're getting back up to speed here and it should be, uh, you know, the coverage we're, we're all over this, uh, make sure you're following all three of us on Twitter. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best to give you every bit of content that you can possibly get, um, through, uh, Fox 40 and the King's Herald and the King's Pulse podcast and here at the King's Beat. Um, let's start with, uh, Brendan, do you have any final thoughts? I do not. Uh, I guess time i appreciate a movie recommendation um how dare yeah, you seven you was a solid the first one. time <laughs> oh the the first yeah time. I, I mean to be honest yeah i think so the only other one All right oh well no, no no godfather was good i have to take that back godfather was obviously <laughs> oh, okay godfather one. was of good course. Yeah. of course i forgot i forgot um next yeah, time he's no. standing over there staring off in the distance we're gonna throw spitballs at you and brendan <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is that's all right me thought. sean what do you got final thoughts he didn't appreciate swingers i hate this guy no <laughs> um uh no I final hate you, thoughts 
<laughs> final thoughts, final thoughts. How about um I really appreciated all the Rihanna feedback I got. That was kind of fun. Even though yes, I was on a roll and I was spitballing, speaking of spitballing, I was just going over my ideal like I you guys didn't exist. I was completely like zoned we in on Rihanna it. and we felt it. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh yeah, I, <laughs> I called I called her song Lemon Lemonade because of the lyrics she has in there and uh, it got got me going, but yeah, I I, I got a lot Does of that mean you re-listen to it back? If you caught that, did you listen to it back? I did. I didn't. I didn't think I said it. Yeah, someone had uh, had pointed out that that uh, I said lemonade, and I was like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> Defensive as always. It totally embarrassed and I, you. I went back to it. And I was like, "Oh no!" Because the Rihanna stand that I am, I was like, "I can't believe I said that." So that's okay. But okay. it was uh, no. The feedback was fun, whether it was good or bad. Like, um, there's a lot of people that can't wait to see Rihanna in the Super Bowl. I'm one of them. So there we go. Um, I'm okay. So my final thoughts, uh, everyone like out there, you should know by now I'm a fantasy football guy. I've been watching football for decades and decades. I love football. I was absolutely appalled at what happened on Thursday night to watch a player go into a brain spasm and watch his hand start to twist on the field because he was clearly having a traumatic brain injury on the field because someone let him go out there absolutely stunning um i i know i made this i I said this on uh d-lo and casey i played high school football Uh, i played for three years i never missed a day of practice until i decided i didn't want to play my senior year i got battered i was little uh it took me forever to grow um i still have aches and pains from playing football and you know what they do out there is crazy Uh, i appreciate watching it um and i've said this and people were stunned but my, my boys will never put a helmet on, ever. They'll never walk out there and play uh, play football. It's just the what we know now about concussions and CTE and everything else. So I, I was stunned that that happened. Uh, I watched the game on Sunday when Tua got hurt and watched him stagger, and to see him come back in the third quarter was the most embarrassing thing for the NFL I've ever seen. And then to have him play four days later and have something like that happen to him. So uh, just thoughts and prayers out to Tua. I hope everything works out. Um, we're talking about a young dude who, you know, is all of a sudden needs to start worrying about brain injuries. And that's not cool. So uh, that's my rant. Uh, just be better, NFL. That was absolute dog shit. And I, I don't know how else to say it. But, like, come on. Protect your players. That's not okay at all and just an embarrassment. I hope people get sued, and I hope they lose, and I hope they lose their licenses, and I hope people lose their jobs. It's something like that should never happen. The, the game has come too far to see something like that happen on national television. So sorry if that's my rant today. Final thoughts left us on a downer. That's right. Final thoughts. <laughs> Pick us down. back up, James. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, it has been a fun camp. We're having a good time, and um, I think we're going to see a shift here in the coming days, I hope, where – we start seeing a little bit less media and a little less rapid fire at every single one of these things. Um, so we can actually get some longer form questions in. Um, but, uh, but who knows? Maybe we won't. Maybe they, we will see the same amount. Like I, I'm always someone who promotes more media in Sacramento. And now yeah. I'm like, okay, this has become like a little chaotic and crazy. Um, but we're going to have you covered here. And uh, I, I think that that's all you need to know. Like, um, so outside of that, uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Um, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, 
You can find links to the King's Beat down below. If you have a business and you want to sponsor the King's Beat podcast, there's also a link down below in in the uh, description on YouTube. Um, I'll send out something probably tomorrow uh, where you'll actually be able to sign up. And you know, if you if you have a business and you're interested in uh, sponsoring the show and, and jumping on board with us here, um, but we're doing good work and we're having a good time doing it. So, um, you guys ready to end this thing? I know Sean is. I know I got to get on the radio in <laughs> ten minutes. I'm um, all good. There we go. Okay, so for <laughs> Fox Forties, Sean Cunningham and the King's Pulse Podcast, Brendan Nunes. I'm James Ham, King's Beat Insider, and ESPN thirteen twenty and all that stuff. We'll see you probably on Tuesday.